Welcome to Accounting High. And the, in the labor shortage in the industry and the competition for talent is so heavy, it's, it's a way to stand out. Well, I think all five parts of this series are things that you can do to be different within a sea of people doing things very similar. The way to run your company and have it be unique to you. Creating that fit for somebody to come in and say they align with this, it's very intentional because that means they align with you and your own philosophies as well. Yeah, and it's not enough just to have it. You actually have to get it out there and have people discover it. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations involving some of the best teachers in the accounting industry. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scotty and Coach Elson. We're going to have a problem here. Class is in session, and I'm here with Coach Elson of Nimble, and this is our fifth and final installment of the PX. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming with us and going on this journey with us through the whole people experience. We are today talking about continuity. We are creating a company operating system. Again, I said this is the fifth installment of our people experience. We have gone over the curriculum and the purpose of the course. We've done culture in our PX2, coaching in PX3, creating performance in PX4, and PX5 today is continuity. Dave, thank you for joining me. It's great to be back, Scotty. Tell our students a little bit about continuity. Yeah, so this is a, a catch-all C-word. We've talked a lot of specific things about the people experience, and this is kind of catching some of the miscellaneous nuts and bolts of, of building a company and creating that, creating that people experience. So we'll go through things like the operating system. What is, how, how do we work? What's our meeting cadence? Some of this will be based on the EOS structure that a lot of us are familiar with. And then we can talk about um, actually hiring too. Talked about creating the culture and the the systems that attract and retain people, but how do we actually how do we actually find people? Yeah, yeah. How do you attract good talents? How do you find them? Cool. So we're going to define how we work. We're going to go over those meetings and the structure, documentation, 
sourcing and finding people, screening, skills assessments, and interviews. Let's do it. Let's go into the coordination of this company operating system. All right. Well, we talked about the... In the first episode, the nimble people experience a vision and there's different elements. And I like to tie everything we do back to one of these elements. How, how does this fulfill on, on our vision for our, our people experience? And this applies to our last one. It's kind of a, a catch-all element. It's giving everybody the opportunity to learn, to grow in responsibilities, to contribute to others, and to be recognized for achievements. So what's our actual operating system that makes this possible? One of the, the first things that we do in our people experience is define actually how we work. What does that look like day to day? How do we communicate with each other? I think it's really important to be clear on it. And there, there's not, I mean, there's some things we do and some tips we'll talk about today, but I think what's more important than the actual what's of it, it's defining it, to being clear about it, making sure your team's clear about, about how you operate and then everybody's um, working in a consistent way. And especially in accounting, we have a lot of remote teams. Mm-hmm. So part of defining how we work is what's synchronous, what are we doing at the same time, and what's asynchronous, what can we do on our own that's moving us towards the the company vision but doesn't have to be live together. And with Nimble's operating system, we tend towards asynchronous. We want to do everything asynchronous as possible. And there's a lot of reasons for this. One is the, the flexibility in schedules. You know, we don't have to, we want to minimize the time the same two or more people have to be um, available at any given time. We want to give flexibility for people's people's lives and also so that's as flexibility is one element of it another element is focus um, when we have a lot of interruptions um, and synchronous meetings or synchronous um, chats or things like that it interrupts our day and when, when we can work asynchronously we can organize our time in blocks where we can actually focus on getting our work done without interruption and that's a i think an epidemic in the working world today is we're so distracted that it keeps us from doing our best work. We may be checking the box and feeling busy all day, but we're not actually often accomplishing something that really moves ourselves and the, and the business forward. Checking the box and feeling busy is what everybody does or has can say they have done before. So we can all relate to that. Yeah, so how do you um, talk about the tech stack? Yeah, let's talk about how we structure all of this and what, you, what tools you're using. Yeah, so it starts with the synchronous versus asynchronous and then defining a tech stack that makes it all possible. If we're going to work asynchronously, then and we're not sitting there in person in the same room, what is the tech that makes that, makes that possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and one way we define how we work at Nimble is what's our hierarchy of urgency? And going from urgent to less urgent as far as our tech stack is, you know, phone. If, we, if I see a, a phone call from one of my team, I know it's got to be an emergency because that doesn't happen very often at all. And so I'm probably going to answer that because it's going to be going to be something. You get anxiety when the phone rings and you see somebody's calling because you know it might be something bad. I might, but I I honestly can't think of it the last time that somebody from my team called me uh, because it just doesn't, doesn't happen. So, but that's, that's there if we, if we need it as a, as a backstop, but you know, it is so rare again that I can't, I can't even remember last time. Text is the next thing. If something urgent and text is really actually outside of our tech stack, but it is an option for, we don't actually, we don't even share phone numbers. So we, or, you know, in our, I guess our HR system, we do have phone numbers, but we don't regularly share phone numbers within the team just because we don't use them. But if we have something urgent that comes up, we need to text someone. That's the next thing. So phone and text are really outside of our tech stack, but they're there in case of emergency. So where we enter then our tech stack of our regular day-to-day work is the next level of urgency is real-time chat, which is in, in our case, Slack. 
And we attempt to limit this just to quick questions that don't delve into a long discussion or a lot of back and forth or something that's going to take a lot of work to answer, but it's more just a, a quick communication that we have access to the whole team. One benefit of Slack is channels as well. We can have specific channels for certain purposes. Uh, for example, most of our clients will have their own channel so that the team on that client can you know, quickly collaborate as needed. Then we have company-wide channels for different purposes, kind of like our water cooler channel that we can post random things that aren't related to work. But we use Slack with a caveat um, because Slack can become very distracting. It became it moves us into this, the more of the synchronous environment that we're looking to avoid as much as possible. I did miss one actually going. It's I guess it's less about urgency but more about collaboration, and that's the Zoom. So we do we use Zoom for our video calls, and it's outside of our hierarchy of urgency, but it's um, well, that's because it's scheduled. Like yeah, Zoom is always scheduled and planned part of a meeting you don't usually have anybody pop up where you see zoom ringing do you no no yeah so i i could have framed this more accurately it's a hierarchy of urgency and complexity so high on that i guess it's lower on urgency but higher on complexity is zoom so if it's a discussion that we need to hash something out or if it's a department meeting or a team meeting where we want to build relationships then zoom facilitates that. So I mentioned chat and Slack, and then the next one is email. And so all of our, so all of our internal informal communication is through Slack and then all of our client communication and, you know, outside external communication is through our email system that we, and we use front and internally we can comment on emails, tag each other. And we have inboxes for each of our, of our clients that only that team has access to. And certain people get um, notified of those emails based on their responsibilities and then we can reassign and tag people. So that's not quite synchronous, but it's it's a way of, of collaborating on our client communication. Sure. And you've separated the channels for client versus team, which is great. You know. Yeah. Your and you, but your workflow system is separate from your email. That's the one difference so far in this hierarchy for us is Carbon's holding the email too. So we're in Carbon for workflow and for email. Yeah, and I would say because of the regular cadence of communication with clients, I would say there our email, our front, works together with our workflow. It's almost, in some cases, the same thing when we're working on process. Because our, you know, I, I think that would be actually ideal is if we integrated our, our email and our workflow, but we use Asana for our workflow, which doesn't support that. And I also, front is so specialized with email that it, it works really well. So uh, the combination works for us. Sure. But th so the lowest on the level of urgency is our workflow system. And this is where we want to push as much work as possible. This is, you know, where we're not getting distracted by a message. But if we intentionally go into work on a process, then we can see the communication there. And we're not getting, again, distracted with ad hoc messages, but it's all intentionally looking at the workflow that we go into be a part of. That's so, super important because once you're getting work done, you should not be communicating. You can't do two things at once. Yeah. Yeah, unless that communication is a part of the workflow, but again, it's not something we get notified about. We just only see it when we go in to do it. An example of how we train our team is if we want something, somebody to do something for us that's, that's say, outside of the normal workflow that's already set up, instead of going to Slack and saying, hey, can you do this? It's create a task in Asana and put a date on it and put a description of what we're looking for. That way we're not distracted in the moment by a to-do that doesn't need to be done immediately, but we will see it when we go into, into our workflow. Dope, dope. All right. Yeah. So I love that. I love laying out the urgency of communications because that's 
always the hang-up for people that aren't organized with communications. It's happening everywhere all at the same time, and you can't keep up with it. Things get lost. There's always a mess if you don't have a hierarchy of communication. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, uh, Cal Newport's book, uh, World Without Email. Oh, yeah. And he talks about the hyperactive hive mind, and that's how he describes a lot of work that goes on today. It's just that hyperactive hive mind it's that constant interruptions of ad hoc communication and we just really we can't get anything meaningful done because of that but being clear about how we work how we define our communication i think goes a long way and we're not by any means perfect on this we're still working on it we're still training we're still reminding but we're getting getting better in that way so yeah. let's talk about meetings then so we've got the communication that's happening all throughout but meetings themselves that's probably why zoom wasn't included in that hierarchy that's part of meetings anyway it's where you're having your meetings yeah and the one thing i find interesting is in that world without email book he actually recommends meetings actually doing more meetings than most people do and i think there's a kind of a convention in the workplace especially as we go towards remote of, of cutting out meetings and doing everything asynchronous and i think the idea of being selective about meetings is important and not having meetings just to have meetings but sometimes it actually it could actually be more efficient to get in a meeting to hash something out make a decision and then move on as opposed to having an ongoing slack discussion that you know keeps distracting us we might kind of time may go by we, we may not realize we spent three hours on a slack discussion that's distracting us from something else or we can get on get on a zoom and, and spend 15 minutes and knock it out you got so, meetings with intention and meeting pulse which is something that we had with eos we already had scheduled meetings and time for that, but it was an agenda in every meeting. And we had a specific set of items to go through. So it wasn't just a meeting for the sake of a meeting. We were very intentional about that. And also part of that cadence was, you know, structuring and, and figuring out how we're going to do our meetings so we didn't lose time you know, and waste a bunch of time in there. So it was office hours was one of those things that we had too, where everybody has a set of office hours during the week. And that's what that team was. You know, if that person had their office hours, they could get stuff done, they can do stuff, but anybody could hop in on that open Zoom meeting. So it's an open Zoom meeting, you hop in, you know, it's like knocking on somebody's door and walking in. So those are the times that you can be interrupted. And that was an idea I got from Cal Newport. I mean, he based on universities and how teachers do office hours he laid out a system that you can do outside of the meetings if you need something that's how you synchronously hop in because if you're doing it twice a week you could always hop in or they could hop in your office hours it's always just let's hop in my office hours yeah i love that concept because then you can accumulate things that aren't urgent but still need to be addressed and instead yep. of sending a ad hoc message you save it for that office hour or or the regular meeting like the the EOS has a defined meeting pulse uh, between leadership meetings, department meetings, quarter, uh, weekly, quarterly. There's that, I love that cadence that, that's set up. And that's the importance of having an agenda is if you have something you want to talk about that's burning on your mind, you can put it on the agenda and address it in that next meeting rather than distracting everybody by the thought in between. For sure. So let's talk about um, some documentation. How do we document all this stuff that we've been talking about? Yeah, an important part of of defining all this is is having clear documentation so people will know where to go for instructions or what to do or for a policy so you know a vacation policy for example if you have that clearly documented where everybody has access to it they have a question they can go to that documentation rather than interrupting somebody with a question i mentioned i believe it was in our last episode about 
our culture of documentation and our what we call SSOT, our single source of truth. We want to have any anything routine, we want to have that documented. And there's lots of tools out there that can do great jobs of that. Notion is one I use personally, and it can be easily used in an organization. A lot of, a lot of organizations use it. We actually use Confluence, which is has similar functionality. It's almost like a organized like a, a wiki, company wiki, and that works just fine for us. And that's a combination of, you know, we have a, our employee handbook and sections with processes and policies internally, and then also all of our client documentation is contained in Confluence. So our, oh, our pretty like, cool. Yeah. So like I mentioned, our, our workflow system is in Asana, but for the most part, we don't have documentation in Asana. We'll just have the task to be done, the schedule, and then we'll have a link from Asana to Confluence where we can go to find the actual uh, documented process. Mm. You have a very intentional tech stack. And so far, it sounds like it's quite a stack. It is. It's quite a stack. And it, it, it begins from the philosophy that I had from the beginning is finding the best job to be done or the best tool that gets a certain job done. And what that has meant in the past is a large stack of different apps that, that ideally work together, but are the kind of the best of breed. I would love to have more of an all-in-one system. And I know there are systems being developed, like you mentioned, Carbon is all-in-one. Uh, and there's other systems that are being that are out there or in the works. So we're definitely open to consolidating that stack because it does get does get a bit unwieldy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But that's going to take time. I, I think everybody wants to develop that one solution, but it's hard. It's, it's especially really hard. nowadays because everybody specializes too in different aspects of the process. Yeah, it kind of goes against the the best of breed. Is when you're developing all in one system, you're have everything together, but you're not specialized. You're not great at any one thing necessarily. Um, not that it's not possible, but I haven't haven't seen that yet. So we're we're okay for now with our best of breed approach right now. For sure, for sure. All right, yeah. Let's talk about finding people and sourcing our people because for this experience, we need people to have a people experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is a, a huge topic in the accounting industry, especially. And I guess we could say a lot of industries um, have labor shortages, and you know, we could. We don't need to go into detail about that. I had a whole episode on that with <laughs> Gusta. That was the economy explained. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot we could say about that, but not the necessarily purpose of this episode. But suffice to say, it can be difficult to find and retain people. So it's all the more important to have that intentional people experience that has a system for finding and, and re- retaining. So part of the the principles for actually finding people are one of them is having an employer brand. You know, we talk a lot about sales and marketing and going out to find clients, but I think it's just as important to have a brand that's potential employee facing. And so people know what you're about, just like it's, it's hard to place a cold ad and you get hundreds of applicants and you're, it's hard to really know someone just by a job application. It's also very hard to, on the flip side for a candidate to see a bunch of job postings and not really recognize or know what's behind those postings. But if you can build an employer brand and have people recognize who you are and what the, like we're talking about here, the people experience we're intended to create, as you get that out there more, then people can recognize and you know, feel aligned to that experience they want to have. And then that ideally people will be coming to you as opposed to you going out to find people. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about that a lot on some other episodes with uh, Nicole, just talking about having a, a brand and doing social media and, and posting to attract employees just as much as attracting clients. Like that's one of the most important parts is letting people see that side of you as like a personal brand too. And a company brand 
is putting yourself out there and creating content just for that purpose. Because then people really get to know you and they feel like they know that company before they even apply for the job. Yeah, and the, in the you know, labor shortage in the industry and it, it, the competition for talent is so heavy. It's, it's a way to stand out among that, among, that, among that competition. Yeah. Well, I think all five parts of this series are things that you can do to be different within a sea of people doing things very similar. All of these things are ways to be very intentional about the way to run your company and have it be unique to you. And that's creating those core virtues that are unique. So creating that fit for somebody to come in and say they align with this, it's very intentional because that means they align with you and your own philosophies as well. Yeah, and it's not enough just to have it. I mean, habit's important in the starting point, but you actually have to get it out there and have people discover it. And related to that is having word of mouth. If you're creating, it's kind of like if you're creating a great um, experience for your clients, they're more likely to share uh, the NPS score. How, how likely are you to recommend it? Same thing for our team. If we're providing a great experience for our team, they're going to be more likely to share their experience with their friends. That is impactful when people have their friends come in because then it's, you create in a community around like-minded people and they have got a bond outside of work already. For sure. If that person aligns for your culture, then their friends, there's a pretty good chance their friends are going to align too, or at least they're going to pre-screen their friends for you and that they'll know who's going to be a fit and who's not. So that's yeah, by far the most effective way I think to attract people is, and some of our best hires have been through our own employee networks. Yeah, that's awesome. So we talked about an employer brand and then the next step is, or another element of that is actually reaching out proactively. And this is in contrast to putting out a job ad and letting people come to you. It's actually getting out and targeting people and really being clear about the profile you're looking for and going out and finding people who have that experience by you know searching through LinkedIn or through our employee, employee networks and things like that. And what I'm not talking about is our friendly competitors and poaching from each other's teams. But where I find the most fruitful channels for that is kind of adjacent industries. So it could be a traditional big CPA firms where people are, are less satisfied with their experience, but they don't realize that there's an option for their careers. That, yeah. yeah. So that could be a way to target people in that way. Yeah, for sure. And again, just creating content, it's a hard thing to do, but if you put yourself in front of them and where their watering holes are and what they're doing, creating content for that around your brand is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the referrals, the people coming to you, the proactive, all that's ideal, but of course it's, I shouldn't say of course, but that depending on how many people you're hiring, it may not be scalable or dependable. It's kind of like sure. marketing where, you know, the best clients are the word of mouth referrals from your own network or from your clients, but to create a predictable, sustainable system for bringing people in, you still need a recruiting process that goes out to job sites and has a way of efficiently bringing candidates in and screening them and then taking people through a process of interviews to discover their, their fit. What are some of the other things you could do? Yeah, I think that covers a lot of the actually the sourcing, the finding. Part of what's a little bit adjacent to that is really your strategy around it. What kind of people are you looking for? And it you know starts with defining the culture and the core virtues in that. But it's also, what's the demographic? Are you looking for skilled people with a certain level of experience? Or are you looking for someone who's more early in their careers and then you can train them up into kind of your way, your way of doing things? And there's, I wouldn't say right or wrong there, but it's important to be clear. About what that, types about of skills target. are you looking for? Are you looking for the soft skills? Are you looking for some of the hard skills, like the technical skills. Yes. Just being clear about, cl be clear about that and about how well developed they need to be. The cool. technical skills could be early on. And if you have a good training program, like we talked about in a you know past episode, then you can you know, train people up in the way you do things. You're not counting on to find unicorns with a certain level of experience. 
Okay. So now you've found some people. What do you do about screening or making sure that they're the right person? Yeah, so it goes along, again, being clear about the job description and screening the resumes. And then I think what's you, know, you can um, have certain criteria and involve your team in looking for certain things on the resume so it's not you looking through hundreds of resumes. But once it's narrowed down to a certain manageable number, one thing that's been really helpful for us is to have basically two levels of skills assessment. One is kind of lower maintenance, easy for us to administer and easy for the candidate to fill out. And that's basically to do a writing sample. We give a scenario of a client situation and something like made a mistake on a financials and it was kind of the bookkeepers you're working with. You didn't review carefully enough and a mistake came through and the client's not happy. How would you, how would you respond to the client and how would you handle that? And so, and then we do a a couple other scenarios like that. I think it's three total where they give a response and a writing sample. And that's, you know, first step just to assess, do they have basic writing skills? Do they have a basic that can they even follow instructions? And then that would then qualify or disqualify them to move on to the next step. And the next step we use is an actual month-end simulation. So we have a QBO file that we we use that's pre-populated with, with data, and we actually onboard them in a limited way to our system. So we make them a, a guest user of Asana, give them access to a project, and then they, we also give them a Google Sheet with some worksheets and some background and data. And then we have them go through a simulated month-end process. So they'll actually take some data from that Google Sheet and they'll import it into, into QuickBooks. They'll do the bank reconciliation and then they'll comment on each task. For example, there's a some of the transactions are pretty unclear about what they are. So they document in the comments, what would they do to, about tracking that down? And then we have a, a few schedules on that Google Sheet, like a, a fixed asset schedule and a deferred revenue schedule. And we have them complete the schedules and also then make the entry, the corresponding entries into QuickBooks. And so I can't remember exactly how long this takes. Someone may take between, you know, one and two hours, depending on how fast they are. And then it gives us a kind of good baseline understanding. Do you really know how to use QBO or can you figure it out quickly? Do you do you get the basics of, of accounting? And then the, the final step of that would be, given the financials that are generated, that give a, a brief analysis on what they're seeing in the financials and how it, in the form of writing an email to the client. So that, that skills assessment has been really helpful in letting the best candidates surface and avoiding those whose resumes and interview skills may kind of exceed their actual performance and actual experience. Yeah, that's so dope. I love that because like, that's also a clean way of testing. And this is before they even start? It is, yeah. This is a part of the interview process. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's oh, that's great. It all sounds amazing. It's probably a lot of work to get that all clean and set up and do you have to reset it every time or is it just you create a new instance of it yeah so what we do we actually created it in quickbooks desktop and then we load it it's a backup that's yeah, as yeah. a backup and then we load it into qbo each time and we have i think two or three different qbo files that we can have you know up to three candidates working on at the same time okay cool and then you'll just delete the file after it's done basically yeah we'll just override it with the next one yeah. okay yeah, awesome. and there may be better ways to do this. I know systems like Rewind or things like that can kind of re reset the QBO um, system. Yeah, but, but you got your way that works. It, it works, yeah. All of it. I mean, it's not even about being quicker. In this case, you've already spent the time setting it up, and it's about the effectiveness of how you're using it. Yeah, being it, it only. Yeah, it only takes us a few minutes to set it up for each new new candidate, and it takes our people team. I don't know. They they grade it. They have a grading sheet, and they go through and do a kind of pre assessment before our county team reviews it and um, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Yeah. And you get to see how, how they interact. Oh, wow. This is so cool. It's like sort of like test days, have them work on it for a test day. And it shows their level of dedication too, if they're really going to put some effort into that and how much they really want to work for your company. 
For sure. Yeah. It really weeds people out who aren't serious about it. They may, you know, have a shotgun approach of they're sending out dozens of resumes and, you know, we're just another one on their list. And if that's the case, then we likely aren't interested. So there's another outfit based out of New Zealand, I think New Zealand, Australia account tests. And it's a platform that'll test their skill sets in accounting too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar, familiar with them. Cool. Yeah, just a little plug for them there during this skills assessment phase. For you, how do you handle interviews with potential team members maybe before this skills assessment or during this process? Yeah, so we have a series of usually at least at least three, and sometimes more depending on the level of the role. We have our people team leader do an initial 15, 20-minute just quick check. What's personality, culture fit? just to make sure that they, to assess what we've seen in kind of their pre, their pre-application. And I guess going before this, as part of their application, they they submit three different videos, less than one minute, introducing themselves, talking about why they'd be a fit and what experience they've had before. So that kind of gives us a sense for personality and culture in those videos. And then past that, then we go that first interview with our people team member. And then we'll go to a second interview. If, that, if they pass that, they'll go to a second interview with who their coach will likely be. So if they're going to be a client manager, for example, they'll have an interview with a controller that has an opening on their team and the controller will go more into, is this the kind of person that I'd want to work with? We want their buy-in. Mm. We're not, we avoid, not, not that we've never done this before, that the plans don't change in the process, but ideally we, we don't want to just throw someone into a team that the leader hasn't bought into. Yeah, but that also puts people in the driver's seat and control of how things go. And that goes into what we were talking about in the previous episodes is having that be a two-way thing and making sure that they're part of that progression and growth. For sure. Yeah. And that conversation, it can be, you know, just assessing, getting to know them, assessing fit of, is this someone I want to work with? It's um, discovering what's important to them in in their careers. And, you know, does that align with the position at Nimble? It can dive into more technical things based on the role. Like, do they really and it kind of goes along with the, you know, if they've already passed the skills assessment, then they have some level of technical skills, but they might drill in just to make sure that they are conversant in these areas. And then if they pass that coach interview, then they go to one of the founders. So it's either me or my partner, Shane, and we'll do a final interview to just make sure we're bought in on the culture fit. And that's, yeah, that's, that's our three levels of interviews. And sometimes we might have, you know, teammates do an interview or other levels, but those are, those are typically our three interview path. Cool. Yeah, this has been awesome. We have gone over creating this company operating system around the people experience. And it's, you know, we defined how we work. We talked about the meetings, documentation, finding people, sourcing, initial screenings, the skills assessment and interviews. Is there anything else that you want to talk about there or or that we want to touch on, Dave? No, I think we covered the main points. So... So for our listeners on their journey to create this people experience, are there some other topics or things that they can explore beyond this five-part series that they've consumed? Are there other things, that other places we can lead them to help become better leaders and better people? Yeah, we really just scratched the surface. So there's tons of things out there. You know, throughout the these episodes, we mentioned a few books, and I love books as a way to dive deeper into a topic. One of my favorite around team experience or people experience is Clayton Christensen's How Will You Measure Your Life? It really talks about the integration of work and, and the rest of your life. And like as it states in the title, how, you, how do you measure your life? It's not just about your 
performance at work, but it's about all aspects that are important to you, including family or health or whatever it might be. And so I really like the way he looks at that. We also mentioned the book, What You Do Is Who You Are by Ben Horowitz. And that's a, a great book on culture. Radical Candor is another one. So there's, there's lots out there. There's, you know, podcasts, you're listening to a podcast here, so you're on the right track of, of learning. And there's all kinds of podcasts, both the county specific and podcasts on leadership that are outside. So I, I won't list all those. I have, you can feel free to reach out to me if you want to um, learn about my playlist. I've got many podcasts that I have lined up and I always have more episodes than I have time to listen to. And leadership is a you know specific topic that's a, just a, a huge area of opportunity on its own. There's so many books, podcasts, courses, uh, coaches, everything out there that, so I, I'd suggest really putting a lot of attention into learning about leadership. And that, that is a pretty a broad topic, but you know, I love being a student of leadership in, in all different areas. So I, I encourage that. And then there's, there's block and tackle things. There's tactics and topics that are just important to understand, if not in detail, at least to make sure that you're taking care of that in your business. There's making sure you're compliant, compliant with HR laws, for example, having a handbook in place and having your team sign off on that understanding the implications of being in multiple states and as, as many remote companies are. So there's just a lot of things like that that are good to have a handle on. And ideally, um, if you're small and just getting started, you, you might yourself as the owner might need to dive into some of these things, or you can find an HR consultant or hire HR team. But so that's a, just a little smattering of things to go take it from here. Coach Elson, did you bring up a sports analogy there with the block and tackle? Did you, did you bring that in there? I love that. Uh, yeah, here we go. A little, little football in here. Yeah, a little bit of uh, a little bit of practical coaching and talking about, you know, this. we just went over the bigger ideas here. We didn't really dive too deep into the playbook. We opened up the playbook. We talked about it, but it's going to be up to you as an individual and as, a, as an owner, as a leader, on how you apply these things and then creating your own playbook around this. You know, this is really just the titles of all the plays, but we didn't really go into exactly how to do it. That's how you apply it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for hosting this course, Dave. This has been amazing. This has been more than I could have envisioned or had hoped for the people aspect of running a practice or rapping. Like this is. Uh, this is great because it's, it incorporates a lot of new techniques, but a lot of sound philosophically way, ancient ways of doing things, ways that people that have worked for others in other professions and life and business and applying them to how you do it at your firm and how you run your practice like a business. So you're one of the rappers that we're learning from. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been happy to, happy to be here. Yeah, so if anybody wants to learn more about what Dave's doing at Nimble, you can find him on LinkedIn. Dave Olson, you're Dave Olson on there. You're not David Olson. Oh, yeah, Dave Olson. Yeah. Yes, Dave Olson, Nimble with an N-I-M-B-L without a knee. You'll find me on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect with me there. Keep it as brief as you can. Dave Olson, Nimble without an extra letter. Just take a letter right. away, right? Like David has an extra letter, Nimble, the real spelling is an extra letter. Keep it tight. That's right. Nope. All right. Well, class dismissed.